Well, it's a particularity of the Japanese writing system for you. You probably know that Japanese use Chinese characters, called kanji, which they borrowed from China a thousand years ago. Unlike other alphabets, a single kanji represents a word, concept or phrase, rather than a sound. As kanji came, came from China, they usually have at least two readings, one Chinese and one Japanese. When a kanji is used on its own, it's usually had Japanese reading, but when a few kanji are used together, they normally use Chinese readings. So, sake is a Japanese reading, the word nihonshu, however, consists of two kanji, nihon, which means Japan, Japanese, and shu, which is a Chinese reading for the kanji for sake. That's why sake and nihonshu sound so different. What adds even more confusion is another name for sake, seishu, which means a clear or refined alcoholic beverage. It is used to distinguish sake from doburoku, unrefined sake. It's a, the official and technical name for Japanese sake, used in government documents and written on the sake bottle. People normally don't use it in day-to-day -day speech. Another point to mention is that there are certain regulations which you have to abide to call the drink you produce Nihonshu. One of them is that it must be brewed in Japan. So, if you drink sake made, say, in London by Tom and Lucy from Kanpai Sake Brewery in Peckham, you drink sake, not Nihonshu, which doesn't make it less amazing if you ask me. In any case, I will refer to sake as sake, not Nihonshu, to make our lives easier. Talking about sake myths, you cannot talk about origin of sake, which is also covered in mystery. I spent hours and hours trying to find this pesky info. In Japanese there are probably much more sources, but in English the information is very scarce. While the history of alcoholic drinks in Japan goes back for around 2-3000 years, the first actual mentioning of the alcoholic drinking in Japan comes from a Chinese historic text called Book of Wei. According to Chinese travelers who visited Japan, Japanese islands between the 4th and 6th century of our era, they were probably trying to establish some trading contacts or they were checking on Japanese people, trying to find out what they were up to at that time. But in any way, uh, they witnessed how the alcoholic beverage was used during a funeral ritual. Let me quote. When the chief mourner sheds tears, the rest start singing, dancing and drinking sake. And sake in this case means any alcoholic drink. So the Book of Wei also notes that Japanese like their booze. However, while we don't know what kind of alcoholic drink they had that time, it was unlikely anything similar to modern sake. Another interesting story of emergence of alcohol in Japan is about Gucci Kamizaki. If you watched a very good Japanese animation, your name, you might remember the method making alcohol from there. Young maidens were chewing and spitting steamed rice into a vessel to ferment. It's a very ancient method of making alcoholic drinks, as our saliva has got necessary enzymes for that. Probably it was discovered by chance. However, debunking the first myth, Gucci Kamizaki wasn't the predecessor of the modern sake. Basically, sake in a form 
close enough to what we drink now emerged when koji malt appeared in Japan. And the first record of using koji in sake brewing goes back to the 8th century, when only the emperor and his court could enjoy the drink. I will talk about history of sake and how it was made in future episodes, but now let's go straight to the myth. Myth 1. Sake is a spirit. One of the main sake myths I hear quite often is that sake is a spirit, like vodka or gin. I myself had the same impression for a long time. There are a couple of reasons for the origin of this myth. First of all, Sake is called rice vodka in some sources. It was definitely a case for me. I probably read it in, in a novel about Japan when I was a boy. I guess translators might have confused sake with soju, baijiu, or even shochu. I definitely haven't come across the term rice vodka referring to sake in English sources for many years, but in other languages you might still find reference to it. However, I think the main reason for thinking that sake is a spirit or liquor, as they say across the pond, is its look. Usually transparent as vodka or gin. When you look at it in a glass, you automatically assume that if it looks like vodka, it should taste like one. Also, sake was usually drunk from small cups like ochoko, which also creates this impression that sake is strong alcohol. So, this is total myth. First of all, spirits like, I don't know, like whiskey or grappa, for example, are distilled alcoholic beverage made by distillation. You basically heat up a pre-fermented weak alcoholic mash, the alcohol evaporates, condensates and captured as a separate vessel. So you go from the strength of beer to strength of whiskey. Sake, however, is fermented naturally usually to 20% ABV or higher, and then diluted to 15-17%, slightly stronger than wine, but weaker than any spirit. If you're asking why it's diluted, the simple answer is to make easier to drink. So, sake is not a spirit. The myth is busted. Busted! Myth 2. Sake is a rice wine. Another myth, or I would say more like a misconception, which is probably related to the previous myth, is a term rice wine, used for sake, even in Japanese sources in English. However, it's a reference more to the strength of the sake rather than a brewing method. The answer to the question whether sake is wine is definitely no. While both sake and wine are made by fermentation, winemaking is very different from sake brewing, which is closer to the method used to make beer. Still, the brewing method for sake is really unique. So let's see how sake is different from wine and beer without going into nitty-gritty of the brewing process, which is a topic of a future episode. First of all, you might already know that to make alcohol you need sugar and you need yeast, which break sugar into alcohol and CO2. Let's take grapes, they're full of natural sugar. What you need is to press and mash them and leave for a couple of weeks and voila, the wine is ready. Of course, I'm heavily oversimplifying, but you've got the gist. However, sake and beer are made from grains, which do not have sugar naturally. But they have starch, which is basically the same thing, just slightly different molecules. For plants, starch is easier to store and sugar is easier to consume. With beer, the starch is converted into sugar by 
tricking the typically barley grains into believing that it's spring and they have to grow. So they start working hard and converting starch into sugar to get the energy. It's called germination. When the process is finished, the yeast is added to the resulted sugary liquid called wort, and you've got your beer. Again, I'm oversimplifying. The process is more complex with sake. Germination can be used here for a number of reasons. So enters koji. Koji is a sort of domesticated mold, widely used in Asia for fermentation. A lot of foods like miso paste, soy sauce, and some others made with koji. Koji penetrates the rice grain and transforms starch into sugar, which is used by yeast to make alcohol. However, the amazing thing about sake is that both transformation, starch into sugar, and sugar into alcohol are happening simultaneously. And the process has a super scientific name, multiple parallel fermentation. So next time you hear rice wine instead of sake, you know it's not true. Myth. 3. Sake is always drunk warm. It's a common belief that sake should be drunk hot. If you ever watched any samurai movie, you should remember lords sitting on the raised floors and drinking hot sake from flat cups called, by the way, sakazuki. Even when you go to a Japanese restaurant here in London, a waiter often asks you, how would you like your sake called hot? So sake is drunk hot. But not always, and not all sake. As often with Japan, it depends on a number of factors, and there are plenty of exceptions. The beauty of sake is that majority of it can be drunk at any temperature you like. Really, you can experiment with temperatures, and it's fun. But it also depends on the type of sake, and some other factors. Basically, there is a category of sake you normally should drink chilled, ginger-style sake. So, if you see ginjo, daiginjo, in the name or on the bottle, don't usually drink it hot. Chill it a bit, but not too cold. The rule of thumb, white wine cold or a bit warmer. If you want more guidance, look for brewer's notes. They usually indicate the recommended temperature range. However, as I said, you can experiment with the temperature yourself. So what is ginjo? It's basically a super premium sake. There are two subcategories in this style, ginjo and even more premium daiginjo. Ginjo sake is generally more refined and more expensive, as it requires more rice, more work and higher brewer skills to produce. We will talk more about the, in the episode about sake types and styles. The reason why you don't want to warm up ginjo sake is that it has very delicate flavor profile, so if you warm it up, you will lose it, though I heard that the president of one very prominent brewery, which makes only ginger sake, drinks it hot. So again, experiment. Oh, another thing is, I personally come across a ginger sake which is recommended to drink hot. With other sake styles, it depends on the particular sake flavor and taste profile and circumstances. There are dry, crisp or light sake, which usually better chilled, and there are more savory, full-bodied sake, which might be great at room temperature hot. Also, in a cold winter evening, you might want a cup of hot sake to warm you up, but in a hot summer day, you will probably have a glass of nicely chilled sake. When I get a new sake, I usually put it in the fridge for some time before drinking, so when I open it, 
it's pretty cold. Probably colder than it should be actually, but I always pour it in a sake serving flask called Tokuri, which takes probably one third or one fourth of the bottle and put the bottle back to the fridge. So when I start drinking the sake, it's well chilled. However, as you drink it, it gradually becomes warmer and warmer and at some point you might say, oh, it's perfect, or it's too warm, I should go a few degrees back. As you have the rest of sake in the fridge, you can always control the temperature as you like. One of the reasons to experiment is that different people might prefer to drink same sake at different temperatures. I have a friend who actually likes sake colder than I do, but he's okay to give it a try at a slightly warmer temperature, but every time he said, oh, I prefer it's colder. So, so hot sake is not a myth, but it depends. Myth 4. Sake is good only with Japanese food. Seriously? First of all, you don't always have French food with French wine or Italian food with Italian wine. Actually, you might not even have a national cuisine meal. What about Thai starter and the British main with German side dish? Why not? What kind of drink you will have with that? So, to be fair, as many national drinks, sake was developed through the centuries to go well with Japanese cuisine. It complements Japanese dishes perfectly. I remember when I first tried sake in Japan, I had this distinctive feeling of a perfect marriage between the food and the drink. And historically, Japanese food used to be quite delicate, if not plain. And mild and not very acidic taste of sake was a great fit. But both Japanese cuisine and sake have changed dramatically in the last couple of centuries. The food had become much more diverse, with sake has become drier and more refined. For example, the modern ginger style we've just talked about emerged only in the 1970s, 50 years ago. So, of course, the link between sake and Japanese food has weakened with the time. Nowadays, the mild and low acidity profile of sake makes it easy to pair with a wide variety of food. Any sake is great with cheese, because both are naturally rich in umami, this mysterious fifth taste, which makes steak or ripe tomatoes so delicious. Chinmai sake, which even richer in umami, will perfectly complement risotto, beef bourguignon, or any other hearty food. Lighter ginger sake is great with lighter food. Oysters, uh, lightly grilled fish, steamed chicken, veggies. I once had a sake and Indian curry night and discovered that sweeter and lighter sake was very nice with hot dishes like jalfrezi. Well, dry and more savory sake was great with less spicy dishes like koma. So sake is very cool drink to experiment with and will go with any meal. Just buy sake and try it with your favorite food and you, you will see it for yourself. You just need to select it properly, like any wine, for example. I'll do an episode on sake and food pairing, but in the meantime, drop me a line if you need any advice. So, please think about sake even if you are having something non-Japanese. The last myth I would like to talk about today is so-called ginger snobbism. Uh, basically, it means like people think premium sake is always better. I have to say straight away, it's not true. While sake is usually fairly priced, and I mean that if you pay more, you will usually get more premium sake, a premium sake not necessarily better. I have personally drunk a few a bit 
boring Junmai Ginjo and Junmai Daiginjo and many terrific Honjozo or Junmai Sake, for example. First, the quality of Sake depends not only on the grade, but also on the skill of the Sake Master Brewer who made it. Secondly, there are occasions you would like to drink premium Sake like Daiginjo, but in other case, you might want to have less premium Junmai Honjozo Sake. However, I have to say that for newcomer to the world of sake, Ginja style is a great way to start the journey. However, it creates this myth. I actually believe that premium sake is always better for a while. My proper introduction into sake happened at the International Wine Challenge tasting of award-winning sake, and it was a trophy event, so most of the presented sake were premium and super premium. I like many of them and decided that anything else was not worth my attention. So, for a few months after the event, whenever I was buying or ordering sake, I only asked for Junmai Ginjo or Daiginjo. However, more sake I tried, my attitude gradually started to change. First, I got curious about other types of sake. Then, there were books about sake I was reading. John Gontner, Philip Harper, some others, they all were talking about all types of sake, including Junmai, Honjoza, and Futsushu. My personal breakthrough came when I did my sake specialist course, called International Kike Sakishin, where I tried a very wide range of sake and realized that yes, there are wonderful sake in all grades, categories, and styles. And I stopped being a ginger snob, using John Gottner's expression. So, please, don't be put off by lack of ginjo or daiginjo in the name of sake. Try it and decide for yourself whether you like it or not. At the end of each episode, I would like to tell you about one sake I have recently tried and found particularly interesting. So today it's Keigetsu Nigori Junmai Daiginjo from Tosa Brewery. Keigetsu sake is very well presented outside Japan, and particularly in London, probably thanks to Honami, who is a representative of the brewery here. It's one of my favorite breweries. The brewery was established in 1877 in Kochi Prefecture on Shikoku Island. It's south of Japan, and the area is former Tosa Domain, which played a crucial role in major restoration, the events that opened up Japan and turned it into a modern country. Keigetsu is a brand name of the sake, and it means the moon at Keisho, referring to the beautiful scenery of prefecture coastline, its beaches with tall pine trees, blue skies, aquamarine sea, for me it sounds very romantic. The word nigori means cloudy sake, where some of the rice particles were left after the pressing to create a smooth creamy texture. And Junmai Daiginjo is the highest grade of sake made purely from rice and water using koji mold and yeast. Kigetsu Nigori is a very aromatic sake. You will notice straight away sweet apple, melon, lychee and other tropical fruits. And it's relatively sweet sake as many Nigori sake and has a pleasant creamy texture and long smooth finish. When I tried it for the first time, I tasted a bit of lemon cheesecake which had a nice interplane with alcohol notes. Kigetsu Nigori is a very refreshing and friendly sake it goes amazingly well with sashimi, steamed or grilled fish, and any other light dishes, but also great on its own. So, that's it for today. I'll be back with more episodes. In the meantime, if you never tried sake, go and oh, 
don't 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 go it's still coronavirus lockdown at the moment but yeah order sake online try it and send me email or leave a comment about your experience if you can't find keigetsu nigori try different keigetsu sake they all are great or any nigori sake go to sugidama blog and see in the tasting notes section if there is sake that looks interesting to you buy it and try if you like the episode and want more hit the subscribe button, leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks a lot for listening. Kampai! Sugi, 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 sugi